The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage, games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the gobble gobble goo and gobble gobble gickle of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who wishes turkey cost a nickel. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Thanksgiving. Doing all right. <laughs> Hanging in there. <laughs> I haven't listened to the Thanksgiving song in quite some time. It's been a long time since I've heard it as well. Some Every once in a while during this time of the year, I catch like the SNL compilation Thanksgiving videos. They pop up on YouTube. So right. I tend to watch them around like if it, if it pops up, but it hasn't it hasn't popped up yet. Yeah, I was trying to think of a, another Thanksgiving thing to do for the show because we've had a you know we've had our shows come out for a lot of thanksgivings now which is pretty exciting uh so this is what i could come up with was thinking of adam sandler singing the thanksgiving song where the snoopy and ashley simpson lip syncing of the macy's day thing makes macy's thanksgiving day parade <laughs> that could be an option too that's a good one that's a really good one uh so thanksgiving the week that this releases here in the united states if you are not in the united states uh that's what we'll be doing is is giving thanks on thursday and friday but well, Thursday, yeah, on Friday, today, Friday, Black <laughs> on Friday, Friday. We're we'll spending see. all the money we don't have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, what's the plans for Thanksgiving this year, Josh? What a good question. Uh, <laughs> nothing. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. We're doing we're we're doing immediate family. Right. Everyone's wearing masks, which is going to be super fun. Uh, <laughs> Especially with a three-year-old and a two-year-old running around, which clearly I'm sure they'll keep their masks on the whole time. Um, Except for eating, but we're going to be like, I tried to explain to my parents, like, you know, you watch my son, we're around you all the time. Everyone's been, that we, like my brother and sister-in-law are coming, my cousin's coming. And I said, I said, everyone's been being extra safe. I said, you can make people wear masks. That's fine. I'm not going to tell you not to, but... If we're all going to sit down at the table and eat, you might as well just take the masks <laughs> out of the equation. Um, all right, everyone, take off your mask. You have 15 minutes yeah. to eat or 14 minutes and 30 two seconds to eat. Go, room, go, go. Two people in this room. Uh, so it'll be, I don't know, it'll be interesting. And, and my cousin decided this year to um, do the turkey. Now, um, this is my cousin who, who lost his father uh, a few years back. And he ha- used to work at. Do you do you have Great Wolf Lodge where you guys are? I know of Great Wolf Lodge. We don't have one close. I think there might be one like in Wisconsin, Dallas. Okay, he used to work there. Um, unfortunately, with COVID, they let him go. Um, right. But he was always working holidays. Like he would work Thanksgiving and Christmas because those are their biggest days. Ironically, mm-hmm. so he would never. He'd come by for you know ten minutes to say hi, but he would never be around. So this year he's around, he has a different job, and he volunteered to do the turkey. 
Um, so we're all, we're all cool with that. And then I, I talked to my mom today and she's like, have you talked to your cousin? And I said, no, I, <laughs> she's like, he's doing two turkeys. It's like, what? Oh. And he's, yeah. She's like, he's going to cook one at his house and then he's going to bring one here to deep fry. And I was like, Hey, I love to deep fry turkey, but like, where, where is this happening? <laughs> she's like, well, in the backyard. I said, okay, I guess my job is to help deep fry a turkey now. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. So luckily, I went to the local brewery uh, yesterday and picked up. Uh, I want what I picked up and what I have left is irrelevant, but I picked up some beer for <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> so yeah, so that's our that's our plan. Be as responsible as possible. We we already made a rule. If anyone isn't feeling well, regardless of of how that is, that that respective family stays home. If it's one person that was coming by themselves like my aunt or if it's three people like my brother, sister-in-law and their son, like they all stay home. Just, you know, we want to be safe. So we're trying to respect that Massachusetts is blowing up uh, in cases like we it's, it is, I know that the whole country is, but we're bad for a state that was good for the whole pandemic. We're in rough shape. So we're trying to be smart about it without, um, in my mind, Kyle, it's just one Thanksgiving. It's just one Christmas. It's just one Easter. Yeah. Let's just skip it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in my head. Um, but you know, everyone's being safe. So as long as we continue to do that, uh, we hope that it stays that way. What about you? So we're doing our usual thing, which we've done for a number of Thanksgivings in a row. It's just the two of us. We're not going anywhere. No one's coming here. We're not going to a place. Uh, Even if we were going to go to a place, uh, a likely place we would have gone is to my parents. But my parents live in Minnesota, and that is not allowed in Minnesota anymore. (laughs) Yeah, we can't leave travel state to state here either. (laughs) Well, Minnesota has now has a four-week, like, basic, pretty darn close to straight-up lockdown. Like, even for Thanksgiving, it could only be people who live in the house. Yes. Yep. Yep. So... No, so even my sisters aren't going to my parents anymore. They're just doing their own thing. So could potentially go to my in-laws, I suppose, in Illinois, but that doesn't seem like a great idea either. So we're just staying here, doing our, the thing we usually do. We make way too much food for two of us. Uh, we are drying out the bread right now for stuffing uh, nice. slash dressing, depending on what you want to call it. Uh, so we're, we're drying that out right now, and we have more than two cookie sheets full of, of bread cubes. For two people, no big deal. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we might make a double batch of stuffing, and that the single batch of it serves like I think it's supposed to be like six or eight people. And we make a double batch. It's fine. We just like leftovers. It's great. <laughs> so yeah, and then uh, we always play a legacy game. So this year is gonna be Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. So we have been playing Title Blades. I, I got a three uh. games of Title Blades in. Uh, and now we picked up the table today from that so that we could have it all ready for Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Did you say so, three games? We played three games of Title Wow, nice. Yeah. I mean, it was nice, but I know part of one of your topics we'll get is to that. Playing, so we'll talk about <laughs> that then. Uh, yeah. I will say putting that game back in the box was a little bit... There are instructions on the side of the box. Are there? Okay. You, here's the funny thing. That's the one place I didn't look. <laughs> like, I looked I'm, in the... Yeah. <laughs> I looked in the almanac that comes with it. I looked in the hardcover book. I looked in the instructions. I looked at the lid. Yeah, it's right like on the box. The in- oh, man. <laughs> I, now I feel real dumb. Probably going to go look at that after Well, this. they also po- posted it four times in the Kickstarter updates. 
<laughs> so I, may, Josh, I triple down on that, that I read Kickstarter <laughs> updates. <laughs> for games you backed, you should. <laughs> uh, yeah, I almost never do, which is probably not a good thing, though I've never missed something as a result of it as far as like Except for your getting my Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, but I'm just saying I haven't not gotten my my yes, item I, I as a result of not reading yeah, it. I so, I mean, it's all in the box, so I guess that's, that's all good. that matters, really. That is really all that if matters. You, in the end. If you haven't even gotten into your Gloomhaven yet, like you have, you you just basically did the rookie level of putting things away into a box. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. So yeah, but that's our plans. We're just gonna make hang out here. Uh, we do. Just a turkey breast, because it's the two of us, so that we do a turkey breast in the crock pot, actually. Ooh, that sounds good. It is quite good. It's very, very tasty. It's a quite a, a delicious little recipe we have for that. I used to be a big fan of cooking turkey. I liked to cook, to cook big turkeys. I would brine them. I mean, I thought it was great. Uh, but now that I've done this method for the, a, a number of years, uh, it's going to be really hard if I ever have to go back to actually making a full turkey. Not that I'm opposed to it. I just really like doing a turkey breast. It's well, so simple. Yeah, you don't need a full turkey for two people either. <laughs> Correct. I mean, you could, <laughs> but you don't. Yeah, we do make a lot of everything else, so we probably should make a full turkey to meet like the ratios of all the other things. That's a good it. pun that you didn't intend. That's true. <laughs> Clearly, the that's answer my is head just <laughs> stop trying, and I'll do better. Uh, so that's the way that goes. But cool. Well, hey, Josh. You know, should we go ahead and do a? A, a, a full stuffed show this week for people to listen to while they're prepping their Thanksgiving feasts. Yeah, sure. Get ready for a longy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if the reverse psychology yeah. thing works. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. Awesome. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of playing some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Josh, what is your first topic this week? Well, I figured we've had a week, a full proper week with our new console. Consoles. Yes. <clears throat> um, so I assume we played some games. I figured we should talk about um, some things we have played in general. I know that we don't do this typically weekly now, but at least I know I have <laughs> played enough to talk about. Um and we played a couple. We played a game, at least a game together, uh, so we could talk about that as well. But I did want to start. I did my due diligence. I played Resogun, I, and I beat it. I guess I don't. I get, apparently it's I very very short. It. Thanks, app. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I downloaded it, played it, and beat it in an hour. <laughs> well, I know, I know. I but I like rolled credits. I should say. Um, I, I would say I liked it. Uh, it really, I didn't like it at first, if that makes like, I was like, oh, I don't like this. But once I kind of picked up what it was, it, it felt better. I really wish they were a little bit more clear on how you're getting these humans out of these boxes. Um, I'm sick of humans dying. I, like, I'm doing my best to rescue them. But apparently, if I don't kill the right thing, they don't come out of their box. I guess I'm not really sure why 
I get my controller telling me, human, at risk. And then I go to rescue the human, and I just stand under the box there, and that's glowing. And then they die inside the box. I'm trying to remember what you have to do in those situations. Yeah. It's been a long time. There's no instructions given. (laughs) So it it just bugs me that I wasn't... Do you want to just be handheld, Josh, and have them tell you how to do everything? Aren't you a real gamer? Yeah, yeah. You can just figure <laughs> things out through trial and error? If I'm going to be responsible for human lives, I should think I, think <laughs> I should be given a tutorial. Um, that was the thing that drove me nuts is, like, I'm trying – I'm doing my best to be very, like, to be, like, to complete these levels perfectly and, and just, like – like it's acceptable that five of nine humans are <laughs> like, uh, no, <laughs> I should have saved nine of nine. I was doing good. Um, it, it's basically um, for people like me who never played this game. It, I don't know if it's not basically it's similar to like Gradius or the side scrolling shooters, uh, but it's full 360 degrees. You can traverse thus the, the 3d space in a, in a complete circle. 360? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it rotates around. Yeah. Yeah. A cylinder. Yeah. So um, you have boosts. You have um, a thing I'm forgetting, but it's basically like um, not a speed boost, but a gun boost focus. No. Some type of mode where it basically like powers up your attack. You have a bomb, which is like typical, like these types of games. Um, You have to save... I don't even think you have to protect the humans. Technically, you do, but really, you have to save them as soon as they pop out of their human boxes. Right. Um, and I guess I think playing it, the easiest way to describe this game is you're playing the Matrix when they're in the Nebuchadnezzar and you're being attacked by the tentacle robots. That's how I felt the entire time playing this game. I was like... This is the Matrix, and <laughs> I liked I liked that part of it. I thought that was good. Um, so yeah, I completed all the regular missions. I guess there's a boss fight at the end of each level, and I think I believe there's two waves before you get to the third boss wave, um, and they're pretty interesting and um, challenging. Like the first one is pretty simple-ish, and then they get more challenging from there. I think there's five total bosses. And there's obviously like other things like multiplayer. The first thing I saw was like, you can customize ships. So I was like, I looked at it and then you can basically pick uh, all the community creations. So it could be like a TIE fighter or an X-Wing. And I was like, wait, I should play the game first and see what I'm even looking at (laughs) first. Uh, But yeah, it was cool. A good recommendation from you. And I think Splake jumped in on Twitter and was like, how have you not played this? Um, So I'm glad I played it. Isn't it, don't you, aren't the humans in, I've been thinking about this the whole time you've been talking, because humans are in their little boxes, and there are ships that are the same color that you have to shoot to open the box. Well, the the box glows green. That's it. Right. I think there is a green ship. Okay. Well, out of a thousand ships on the screen, they don't make that super clear. (laughs) I'm just saying, Josh, shoot the green ship. I'm pretty positive that's the way it works, and that's what releases them from their box you know what's the worst when that voice says uh there's a human being set free twice in a row and you know that there's two boxes <laughs> being about to be opened uh 
Yes. And if you don't catch them, they literally either they drop to the ground and you have to try to catch them or they just perish inside the box. <laughs> so like, hooray. <laughs> uh, okay. So that is uh, this. If I'm including Resogun, <laughs> I've beaten three games since we've last recorded. Dang. Okay. Yeah. Look at you go. So um, to include you in this one, I'll talk about... Um, Miles Morales. I completed the story of Spider-Man Miles Morales. And and I say that, like, there seems to be a bunch of stuff after there is story completion. So I'm reluctant. I, I was reluctantly rocking the cat suit for a while with the cat in the backpack, only because it just happened to be the first mission I did after I beat the game. But I completed the story from Miles Morales. At least a proper story. Um, and, oh, and it's very important for me to tell you, after, the first thing I did after I beat it was, they throw you back onto the rooftops of the city. I turned on, I bought the, I didn't buy, I used my in-game currency to uh, unlock the animated Miles Morales into the Spider-Verse suit. And then I equipped the... On the twos? The, yeah, is that what it's called? Or is this wham, yeah, bow, pop, yeah. bow, whatever. And then I turned on um, performance mode. Oh. And it didn't it didn't blank at all. I just turned it on and it, it just turned on for me. Oh, really? Nice. Okay. Maybe because I have it plugged into the 120 hertz on my TV. Maybe. Yeah, mine, I mean, it was, when I did it, it oh, it was like two seconds. Yeah, it didn't even did it, give but. me a warning. It just changed immediately for me. And I was very skeptical of what you said last week. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> it is one of the most incredible things I've experienced in video games. Yeah. I couldn't believe the difference. And I think it, it must be... I would say 90% swinging through the city is what makes it so visible. Like the combat, yes. I, mean, I know it is visible, but it's not as like noticeable because you're otherwise occupied. Yep. Uh, but swinging through the city and it's just insane. I can't even, I, I know, can't even right? put it into words. Um, I turned the suit off. I changed the suit um, just to see if like how my experience was. Because I know that that changes the animation style and stuff, and it's still just as incredible. Um, so yeah, so I, I'll say I I really enjoyed the story. I will say I, I didn't love it as much as Spider Man, but I think I think uh, I think we get our money's worth, right? I don't think it's a bad value for what you get, but it really does feel considerably shorter than the first Spider Man. And for whatever reason in my head, like as I'm playing it, that's what I want. Maybe not what I expect, but that's what I want from the game is I want that. I probably want 10 more hours from that story, honestly. Um, It just seemed like it seemed like a filler, like an in-between episode. Well, it kind of is, though. It is. And I get get that. I get that. I guess I just wanted it to be more. But Mm -hmm. um, I really liked what they did. I liked the bad guy. I liked the, the arc. Um, between, like, I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't want to say anything, but I really like how they handled, uh, Miles and how they made his Spider-Man feel so much different than Peter Parker's Spider-Man. 
And in fact, I think he feels he feels stronger than Peter. Um, so that's an interesting change for Spider-Man because Spider-Man, and I think in a bigger story, they probably would have made Miles more vulnerable. Kind of like how they do with Peter, like more friends of his would have come in danger, so to speak. Um, but I think what they did, um, uh, they told a really good story. They tied together a lot of the comic book stuff from Miles, like really well. And it plays with family. And that's what Peter Parker, that's what Spider-Man, not Peter Parker, but that's what Spider-Man is about. That's about family. Um, more so, he's more the Superman than Captain America is of Marvel. Because uh, it's all family stuff. So I know that the, the you know the comparison's always like Captain America is the Superman of Marvel. Mm-hmm. But I think Spider-Man's, you know, has that wholesome uh Smallville feel to it in in the big city. <laughs> uh what, you also completed this, I believe. I have. I have the platinum. Oh, so I've oh, actually completed okay. it twice. <laughs> okay. So I completed the story twice. And what are your thoughts? Josh do you want to know something that I f- is actually? I don't think it's embarrassing, but it's kind of embarrassing. I know I you cried don't know at the end of this game. Oh, okay, <laughs> you did. I when the last stuff in this game happened, I cried. Wow, and not a cry like not hard, but I teared <laughs> up for sure. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just the world being what the world is, and then this being someone who is trying so hard to do something that is just good, yeah, and just right, and extremely selfless. I don't know if that's what got to me. I, I the story's well told. I really liked the characters. I I know I I've been listening to other podcasts and things do reviews and talk about Miles and there's just something about this character and the way the character's acted that just seems so earnest to me. Yeah. He just I really feel like this character in this game really just wants to help people. And be a good person and do like he he is the like, kind of like you said, you know, the Superman, like he is the role model, right? Like he's the one you want people to look up to. Like yeah. he's the Boy Scout, whatever, however you want to look at it. And something about it just got me into it. I really bought into what Insomniac was selling and what and the story they were telling. And yeah, I teared up at the end of it. I was very sad. Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed it clearly. <laughs> like, I thought it was really good. Um, like you, the funny thing is, is when I was playing through it the first time, I don't know, probably took me eight hours, 10 hours to finish yeah. probably somewhere in there. And then I went and did the cleanup afterwards. When I played through it again, cause you have to play through it on new game plus to get the platinum. I skipped all the side things, just powered through the story other than the times where I was like, well, I'm going to go on patrol. Yeah. And then I just did like a crime or two until it would auto st- uh, like allow me to continue the story. I think I did the story in maybe three hours. Yeah. You can definitely like mainline it really quick. Yeah. It's very, very quick when you mainline it. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really fun. I thought Insomniac did a great job of um building out this world even more uh, of still creating a, a place that feels vibrant and lived in and of today it, it really feels like if superheroes existed and all this stuff like this feels like a uh an actual place like i haven't been to new york in a really long time so i'm it's hard for me to say that oh it feels like new york would feel right uh but it, it feels like an actual lived in real world place that people could go 
Now, here's my question for you, Josh. Yeah. After this is over, they obviously kind of hint at the future of the series and where things are going, and we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. But here's the one question I do have for you. Do you think the next game, is it a single-player game? Is it a co-op <laughs> game? Is it where you are you splitting time between these two heroes? Do you get to pick one and and to play just as that one? How do you think they're going to handle this? Because I think maybe Miles is becoming more popular than even Peter Parker. Miles, I would argue, is more popular than Peter Parker. Right. Because, well, because current readers prefer, like, they know Miles. They grew up with Miles. Mm-hmm. Like, Peter Parker is like the old man Spider-Man. Like, unfortunately for us, that's just what it is. Um, yeah, I just, my thing I don't know is because, obviously, you know, Marvel huge with comics, but also just from a movie perspective, I know In the Spider-Verse was huge, yeah. obviously, and really <clears> propelled <throat> Miles Morales as a character, but obviously Tom Holland in the Marvel movies, people love him as Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And that is a Peter Parker. So that's where I just don't know There's in a, all yeah. of that. Like, you know, There's an easy way ahead. to separate Tom Holland from Peter Parker. <clears throat> I know he is Peter Parker, but because there's been two other ones before him, I that's think true. it's easy that's to separate. Um, yeah. I think co-op would be cool, but uh, I, I really think narratively they have to do the split, you know, singles like single player story. Uh, they have to m- mix them together, and they'll they'll do a way to put one of them in peril, um, or where they have to do something. But a a co op would be cool, but I don't think story wise that works for them. So maybe like a, a a different mode in the game where they could tack that on. I was going to say maybe this is the game where Peter Parker dies and then you have to play as Miles they, going forward. They could kill Peter. They, he's been but, killed before. <laughs> I, right. But then I think about all of the rigmarole they went through to change what Peter looks like. I'd be all like, right. would they really change it just to kill him? <laughs> like, that seems like a lot of work if you're just going to off him. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that, that's going to happen. But. There's so the Spider-Man is so rich in... In uh, in villains and characters, I, I really thought that they were going to lean towards like a maximum carnage um, series. And this, I won't say how it's involved, but Oscorp is represented in this game. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if how old is the first Spider-Man game? Three years now? Four? Eighteen. Okay. I so think. spoilers for. For the first Spider-Man, um, they're setting up Green Goblin slash Venom, uh, which in a weird way, the way they ended um, the first mm-hmm. Spider-Man. So I think there could be different ways that we see um, either Green Goblin or Harry Osborn in a different form. Um, but if if we're going to see Harry Osborn in a different form, uh, Venom... <laughs> uh, that leaves it more open to Maximum Carnage um, than it does Green Goblin. And that means, like, I just saw, I was in Target and uh, the other day, and there was a Miles Morales Venomized Carnage figure and, um, what was it, another one? Of, I, could, I can't think of it. Another Spider-Man suit that Miles wears that was, like, venomized. Or whatever. So I think that that seems to be like super popular for the younger, like the older audience, like us, um, who watch like 
<clears throat> maximum carnage and like venom and and all that kind of stuff. So they could lean that way. I really they could go wherever they want. They have so many options. But in my in current Spider-Man, Miles has already gone up against it all too. So it will be really easy to that to like incorporate them together, even though they're not technically in the same universe, mm. which is interesting. But they are here canonically. <laughs> yes, they are. We don't know Insomniacs. how they're here, but they're not from the same universe. Yeah, but Insomniac, they're yeah, they're saying they're the same. Yeah, I in mean, the same place. they can make it work. They can yeah. weave the webs. <laughs> that they can. So I would love, and I don't. I, this would be a ton of work, but if I guess if anyone could do it, it'd be Insomniac. And I guess theoretically, other studios have done. Other PlayStation studios have done this for similar games that maybe came out this year. No spoilers for any other games, but. It'd be very cool if you played like half the game as Peter yeah. and then also had played like half the game as Miles. And I think it'd even be really awesome if there were missions that crossed over where you could either pick or actively switch between the two of them on the fly. That because okay. as demonstrated, significantly different powers between the two of them and what you can do and trying to think of ways that you could um, combo all that together by switching between the characters to use the different abilities, I think would be a really cool way to do it. Like I said, Easy for me to say. I'm not a game designer, but I think it'd be really fun. And I hope that they go to that direction. Though, no matter what direction they go, uh, obviously I'm going to play it because I think they've done a great job with the first two games. For sure. I 100% agree with you on that. Um, all right. So the third game I have f- completed, I have I beat Hades proper. I properly beat Hades. 14 escapes is the... Nice. Is the credits ending although i will argue it isn't necessarily over (laughs) um and i'm not done playing it i still have my hades sheet my my wife actually said what are you keeping track of in your phone and then i tried to explain it to her and as i was explaining it to her i felt like i have reached the peak of my nerddom (laughs) because i am keeping track of so many things um but I did reach the end of Zagreus's journey as far as what he was intending to do. Um, and along the way, I don't know. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I know we're going to be talking about this next month, but I'm really having a tough time deciding between Ghosts and Hades on what is my game of the year. And I'm trying to... I'm trying to give each game credit for what they've accomplished mm-hmm. and each studio credit for what they've accomplished. And I'm, and I really don't know which one is going to be my game of the year, but man, if, if there's any game that could put ghosts up for like good competition, like Hades is just blowing me away. And the fact that I, it, I escaped 14 times and I still want to keep doing it. And even the game is like, you don't even have to do it anymore. In in a matter of speaking, like character wise, like you don't even have to try to escape anymore. There's no reason to do it. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'm still going to do it. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> cause you're still letting me do it. I have so many more things to unlock. And, um, it's funny, like some of the things I'm unlocking, I'm, I'm using gems to unlock like, um, set pieces and like hang things on the wall. 
and like I'm like setting up a wall, so I spend like let's say 350 gems to hang um, a sword on the wall, and I'm just going down like what's available to buy and how much gems I have, and then I buy the next thing, assuming it's going to be something new. No, it's just a different. It's like an axe in the same spot. <laughs> so I I spend the money on the sword and it's gone, and now it's just an axe. I'm like, why did I even do that? <laughs> so some of it. Seems silly, but um, there's so many things to unlock still. But getting a proper ending actually um, wasn't... I'm not spoiling it, of course, but I really wasn't expecting the ending that happened. Um, But it's very satisfying as far as a character level goes. So um, I was very happy to have completed it uh, two days before the Game Awards came out. So I was like, hey... It seems appropriate that now I can definitely like vote on it for certain things. Uh, so yeah, Hades is my third game I have completed. Do you want to talk about a game since I've been like just talking about games? <laughs> I don't know if I really. I mean, the only other thing that I have played because I, you know, play and beat Spider Man. Obviously, got mm. the platinum there, and now I have started the campaign for Call of Duty Cold War. Yes. So that is where I am. I am only three missions in, so I'm not very deep into it. So far, I'm really enjoying it, though. The use... This is one of those situations, again, where, gosh darn it, they're using those triggers so darn well. Yeah. And I fear that this isn't going to happen a lot in the future. (laughs) But the game feels great. It's really interesting. They are doing a little bit of the stuff that... Excuse me. For me in Call of Duty, is a little weird. It's like, hey, be stealthy. I'm like, well... It's Call of Duty. I mean, I guess that works. That's fine. We can do that for a while. Uh, but so far, it's an interesting concept. They have side missions, basically, in main story missions now, which is a little bit of a different thing and kind of cool to experience. Yeah. They also have like completely side uh, side quests that you can do where like in the main missions, you have to go get intel to unlock these side quests and stuff, which is cool. It's a different way to do it. I, part of me really likes the old Call of Duty campaigns that were like, here's a Michael Bay flick sit down watch stuff blow up and go for it (laughs) but i do appreciate the steps raven has taken to really make this one feel different it's very brutal like when you especially if you kill people up close it is rough going Uh, i do appreciate format changes of getting to do some vehicle stuff and then going back on the ground and then getting to do some other vehicle stuff yeah uh i am doing a better job of seeing where I'm being shot from in this game, and I don't know if it's just from how the game is designed. That's always one of my challenges in past Call of Duties, no matter how much I like the campaigns. I always would hit certain spots where I die, and I have no idea where I got shot from. I'm just dead, and I I don't know where it came from. Uh, These game, or this game so far, uh, in the firefights that have happened, which actually haven't been all that many. Most of the levels are pretty short so far. Um, But when I've had them, I, I have been very knowledgeable about kind of where things are happening, where I'm supposed to be going. Because that was something, too, with some of the older ones where I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to be doing right now. I think it's all like, go of get them the d- thing. did that, yeah, to some degree. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go get the thing. What thing? Where is the <laughs> thing that I'm supposed to be going to get? It's gold. Nothing on here is gold right now. What are you talking about? So, yeah, but I'm enjoying it. It's fun. Uh, the multiplayer, we've played a handful of games together. Yes. That's the only ha- multiplayer I've done with it so far. Uh, it was fine. I- I'll wait and see from a quote-unquote success standpoint my kill death ratio is really really good right now so i don't really want to play anymore (laughs) just leave it as is 
Uh, we played some zombies. It was good. We haven't figured out too much with it. I did uh, talk to a friend who was like, oh, I can show you all the things in zombies Perfect. already. That I'm sounds like, good awesome. to me. We're going to play together. <laughs> so, yeah, because I, I think it's very hard with two people uh, to get super far in that until, since you can bring your loadouts in, uh, the zombies, apparently, it sounds like in this conversation I had with my friend, are very tuned to that. So if you just have two of you with only your basic weapons and things, it can be a little bit harder to progress <laughs> It was far. hard for us. <laughs> it, was. it was. It was really easy until it wasn't. Yes. And then it wasn't very easy anymore. So... But yeah, it's really fun. I'm liking it. It looks great. Feels really good on PS5. Uh, so looking forward to finishing it up. I know it's not supposed to be super long, but I wanted to get this campaign done so then I could either jump into Valhalla hmm. or Demon Souls, and we'll see which one happens. Nice. Yeah, so I was going to mention Call of Duty. We played Zombies. We played some multiplayer. I really like it. I feel like it plays pretty well. Like Call of Duty games, I'm pretty like lukewarm on. I like to play multiplayer with friends. I love the story. Um, so far, the story is, is good. Um, and you're right, I, I like the mix of like vehicle combat to combat, and um, it is like relatively short, and I like that as well. Um, at least mission-wise, not st- like right. I'm, I'm only a few missions in. Um, and then I've been playing Godfall. I put more time into Godfall. Um, I've unlocked two more... I don't remember what they're called. Godfalls. Valorant plates? <laughs> yeah, Valorant Isn't that plates. what it is? I'm going to call them Godfalls because it's it's funny. <laughs> um, Prepare for Godfall. Um, basically, like you do like um, their version of a training mission, and then you do their version of a training open world mission. It's not really open world and like no one else is in there with you, but it's not so cacophonous if I, if I can use that in that way. And then the third mission is like you have to um, find your trainer – who unlocks the forge for you where you can actually start like messing with stuff and leveling up weapons. Um, each of them have a boss uh, at the end. And this last one, I was like, I sure could use a friend on this boss. Cause it took me a little while to beat him. <laughs> I was also using a different um, armor set. So like their specials are different too. And I hadn't quite mastered that. Even the sword specials are different. So I was using dual blades in my last fight. And but you can you can you have you can have two weapons equipped, and I wasn't thanking the switch weapons to use the specials for the previous weapon I was using. So you know, just time plus effort equals success. Um, so yeah, I, I'm enjoying Godfall. I don't really know where I land on it yet. It's definitely it feels to me like a game that doesn't know its own identity. I know that they keep like talking about it's a looter RPG hack and slash. I get there's a little bit of each of those, but there isn't a lot of bit of each any of those. So I don't really know that I've landed on a solid opinion as far as like longevity goes. I'm really interested to see how co-op goes based on what exploration is like, because there's a lot of things off the beaten path. And like when we play games together, we're we're good but we're also not in sync like one of us is like two blocks away from the other person doing something while we're both doing things um this is a game i can see that becoming a problem if it's not coordinated well because sometimes bad guys just pop um uh so uh i'm enjoying it though still i like the combat i like the way it looks and 
hopefully I continue to like it. Uh, and I'm trying to think, I don't think I have another game to talk about, but I want to hear about Tidal Blades if you want to talk about it. So my plan was to talk about it next week because okay. I was going to talk about Tidal Blades and Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. But here's the tantalizing uh, <laughs> I'll get the rest little after nugget <laughs> I will put out there for now. Play three games of Tidal Blades. I will first say I have lost all three of them. Oh, no. To yeah, your wife. Number one. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, exactly. She's way better at games than I am, so it's not surprising. Oh, wait. I, uh, I should say, maybe not, because you have to put a rival in, right? Did you do the... Variant? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So you have to. You have no. You have to. You have to right? player. You have to okay. play. Play with a basically a uh, uh, bot third player. Yeah. Uh, so the interesting thing is, is that player doesn't get points per se, but uh, there is that champion track. They just affect. That, yeah. They can affect your yeah, outcome. That affects your outcome. Here. So number one, I don't like the fact that that player exists. Yeah. We need. To, I need to live closer to you so we can play. Yeah. Four players. And. <laughs> And it's not in general. I don't like when games have that implemented for when you know to make a two-player game work, or a game with two players work for the game. Yeah. The reason I don't like that is that yes, when you're playing against another person, you don't have full information, and they might still go where you want, where you were intending yes. to go. Yeah. But you can't even plan ahead in this situation because it is literally random. Okay. Yeah, I see as far saying. as to where they're going to end up, yeah. So you can't even like look at the information they have or look and see what they've already done to try to figure out where they're going to go. Yeah. And sometimes for me, that's just really frustrating because I'm like, well, I'll sit here and just see what it does because maybe they'll end up where I want, maybe they won't. Whatever. So anyway, we'll talk more about that later. It yeah. works for this game, but it is a little frustrating. The first two games I lost by a combined total of three points. Okay. That I mean, that's good. That means it's yes. competitive. The third game. My partner doubled my score. Well, she figured something out. <laughs> so, can I ask? No, well, if, here's, no, here's if the funny it thing. Was incorporating her the fold? score was in her score was in line with our previous scores. I only I scored half oh, as many. Points. So <laughs> you did bad. <laughs> I did bad because I picked I switched characters and I used a different character okay. who is way different than the character I'd used the first time. So then I was like, I don't really know how to do this yeah. um, with this character because of like what your hidden objective is and your kind of like what your player powers are. We're, to, are, we're totally different. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll try doing X, Y, Z. And about halfway through the game, I was like, X, Y, Z is not working. <laughs> but by that point, because kind of what I was talking about before, yeah. when you had played, I was like, is the game long enough? I was like, I don't think I have time to recover. And I did. Oh yeah, I think if you fall behind at the very beginning, it, it would be very hard to recover. Yeah, and that and that's what I ran into is that, um, I yeah, and like and I'm not saying that that play that particular character was unbalanced. I definitely played him wrong. Yeah, but because but because I had started that way, there was really no way for me to fix it. So it's a him. So we are narrowed it down to three characters. <laughs> That's four. correct. It was you the crocket. It, it was the alligator. Crocodile oh, that's what I played as, and I came in fourth out of four when we played. Yeah, because I ran out of die uh, on my first turn. I know. That's what's so hard because you're like, how do I go fight the stupid monsters when all of my things are like, oh, complete yeah. your dumb things that cost four <laughs> dice. I'm like, well, I can't get rid of any dice because I need them to do both these things. Yeah. How am I supposed to be effective in either one of them? But anyway. Okay, that's good to hear. <laughs> okay, well, so, I'll, I'll wait to ask you questions about it until next week. 
<laughs> okay. So, well, like I said, next week you'll get more in-depth on Title Blades, um, as well as Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Uh, so my first topic this week, Josh, is one... It's kind of like a topic 1.5 in a little bit, because I don't really know how you feel about this. Uh, So Capcom was hit by a massive ransomware attack, and they chose not to pay. And as a result, a whole bunch of their information got leaked online. Sure. Is this something that you think is like, (laughs) should we even really like talk about the stuff that got leaked? We don't comment on leaks. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we would never go in and talk about like... The personal, because extremely personal information about a lot of employees, including like copies of passports, like really bad stuff got leaked. Um, Do you think it's okay, though, to talk about the stuff privy to our podcast, kind of their forecast for games coming up? Do you think that's like a fair and reasonable thing since news sites are talking about it? It's on pretty much every gaming website. Do you think it's okay to talk about those things? I think it's okay to talk about it. I mean, it's news, right? Uh, we're not talking about how grateful we are that someone did this. Um, obviously, we both don't agree with what they did and how they went about doing it, but I also, uh, like, I kind of applaud them EA, uh, EA. <laughs> I kind of applaud them for for Capcom for, like, just being like, okay, fine we're not gonna like pull this nonsense like just leak it and then maybe they get better with their security but uh yeah uh, yeah i mean we could talk about it uh there's something i definitely want to talk about uh with this list and it really boils my blood (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh this is from over on games radar here's the information so unfortunately for capcom uh every game you're probably going to announce in the next four years we already know about sorry uh so here's kind of their breakdown (laughs) as far as upcoming game releases uh resident evil outbreak in q4 21 dragon's dogma 2 in q2 22 street fighter 6 q3 22 uh, Mega Man Match in Q322, Resident Evil 4 Remake in Q4 2022. That's exciting. Uh, and I'm assuming these are fiscal year 2022. Oh, yeah. Um, so that could theoretically <laughs> be like, yeah, yeah 23. You know how that all stuff works. Uh, Monster Hunter 6 Q223, Biohazard Apocalypse Q323. Just as a reminder, Biohazard is what uh, Resident Evil is called mm-hmm. in Japan. Though it's interesting that they switch back and forth between the two of them, and there's some Resident Evil titles and some yeah. a Biohazard <laughs> title. But anyway, uh, what I assume to be Super Street Fighter 6 Q423. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Final Fight Remake Q224. Power Stone yeah, what? Remake exciting. Q324. Ultra Street Fighter 6 Q424 and Resident Evil Hank, which is likely a code name, uh, Q424. And then there was also a couple other code named games in there, including a Switch exclusive, I believe, um, that was listed. Uh, Guillotine, Project Guillotine, excuse me, um, was a new IP exclusive to the N- Nintendo Switch, as well as Project Shield, which is a new multiplayer shooter, um, is also named in the documents. So, Josh, you said you had some thoughts on these things. So, uh, what are those thoughts? <laughs> I'm so angry with Capcom knowing that they plan dates for their Street Fighter variants. <laughs> I am a Street Fighter a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really... Oh, I would just be pop culture I guess. It really grinds my gears that they put out... Not... Like, it already bothers me that I buy Street Fighter V, right? We'll just use the current example, and current is 
insane that I would say that. Uh, a current example for Street Fighter, and then they put out Super Street Fighter V and then Ultra Street Fighter V. I never in my brain put together that they planned out quarters. I'm not even going to say dates because they probably also do that, but that would drive me more crazy. That they plan <laughs> on doing that. Where someone says, hey, this, I, I guess I immediately associated with them with EA because of this when I said EA at the top. Uh, it's like someone said, hey, we're going to give half of a Street Fighter and charge $60, $70 now. And then in a year, we're going to give them the other half of a Street Fighter. And then in a year from then, we're going to give them the whole Street Fighter. That really, we're family friendly. So I'm not saying how I really feel, but it really bugs me, Kyle. <laughs> uh, it really <laughs> bugs me a lot. Uh, I'm super excited to see Power Stone even on the map. Like, it's about time. Um I think the biggest worry is, will they do it justice? Will they do it right? And and I don't know that... I would still rather pick up my Dreamcast right now, which I still have, and play Power Stone, which I still have. Uh, even though Power Stone 2 is a better game, which I don't have because it's hard to find. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see Power Stone come back to like introduce itself to new gamers. Uh, we don't have a lot of games like that, like Power Stone arena four-player fighter games like that's not doesn't exist smash brothers doesn't count this is a 3d landscape not a 2d mm-hmm. platform um maybe like gang beast is the most comparable and it's not comparable really because you're not just controlling individual limbs <laughs> but it's more <laughs> similar to that than anything else uh, i don't think anything else is surprising right uh final fight may be the closest but it's Resident Evil, Dragon's Dogma, which is a success for them, Mega Man. And I bet you Dragon's Dogma, that's timed for the Netflix show. So that'll probably come out around the same time, just to capitalize on that. And like Resident Evil 4 remake, I'm excited. It's But it's not. It's kind of a no-brainer, like this was coming, based on the success of the first two remakes. But yeah, uh... I'm just mad about Street Fighter. That's all. <laughs> Mad's an understatement. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> is there anything you're sad isn't on here? Yeah, just like uh, Street Fighter Six. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Um, you just said Street Fighter Six. Yeah, I would have to like look up all the Capcom IPs. I am 100 percent sure there's four or five games that Capcom makes that I would love to see. Nothing's mm-hmm. coming to my head. I, I mean, the Dino Crisis, the rumors have been out forever, right? We yeah. thought for sure we were getting Dino Crisis. Parasite Eve, like, I would love a Parasite Eve, but, you know, it's, I mean, this is yeah. their bread and butter, right? It, for the most part, is the big hits, that's for sure, which makes sense. You know, Capcom has, we talked about them coming back into form as of late and, and releasing some great games, and, you know, Monster Hunter the monster hunter world becoming like their best-selling game ever it's not surprising that they obviously are following up with their couple switch titles that are coming out this in 2021 um, which are also apparently coming to pc like six months later is what they're saying now uh because of this leak it looks like uh but then also you know following up with monster hunter 6 not a big deal or surprise there uh resident evil 4 remake also not a surprise i think there is something about resident evil 4 remake potentially being in vr but exclusive to like oculus 
That would so there's be, gonna be like an bummer. Oculus version of it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to see. But yeah, nothing here is super surprising. I think, you know, getting a Dino Crisis game, which theoretically could still be added to this, right? That doesn't mean they couldn't add additional things to it. Sure. And, you know, the Street Fighter thing, I get what you're saying. I honestly felt kind of the same way at the beginning. But I also think about the fact that so many games today do continual added things or season passes or whatever else that I don't feel like it's all that different than that. Because theoretically, if you buy Street Fighter 6 and then you buy the Fighter Pass, then when Super Street Fighter 6 comes out a year later, it's just Street Fighter 6 with the Fighter Pass included. And then you can buy a new Fighter Pass, Ooh, I hate which to will disagree be Ultra with Street you. Fighter 6. What's that? Do you remember when Street Fighter Five released? Yeah. It didn't even have story mode. I know that, came, but that got patched for free later. It got patched for free if you had the disc. Oh, really? Yeah. Not if you bought the digital version of the game, right? Well, that seems weird. It was very weird, and I'm mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> they did that, and then they then they released the the next version of it, and they added new characters, which would come for free with their own stories. For the, the newer version of it, or the Ultimate right. or Super or whatever, but you wouldn't get that if you had the original that you purchased. I do agree that it definitely seems the later you jump into Street Fighter games, kind of almost like buying a new console, the later you buy it, the better <laughs> off you are. But at least with the um, new console, you can still play games on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. So yeah, Street Fighter, I, it in general has often felt that way i will say i i do own street fighter 5 but i think it's because of playstation plus that i own it yes it did come out on playstation plus like three months ago yeah so that's the reason i own it there and it does sound like uh street fighter 6 will not be console exclusive it looks like it's going everywhere if you, if you um, opened your street fighter 5 uh i haven't if you did 60 percent yeah. of the characters are grayed out oh really and three of the modes are grayed out oh <laughs> And I can tell you that because I got it as a Humble Bundle uh, on PC, and when I went to play it, I couldn't play hardly any of it <laughs> without buying more. Well, I guess in some ways, since I didn't buy pay any money for it specifically, yeah, you you got, like you got the sixty dollars version I got when I first bought it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the same. It's the same. We're exactly the same. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just um, a bitter. Bitter yeah, I can tell. Street Fighter fanboy. <laughs> I can tell that you were very upset about it. So, yeah, we'll see. I do wonder if Capcom is going to be able to come up with some surprises after this or if all of their uh, announcements going forward for the next few years are going to be a little bit of a because we already know about it. But, you know, props to them, you know, that they did not pay. Uh, I think they're probably going to do some work to ensure that uh, something like this doesn't happen again. But, you know, probably next four years or so of Capcom games. Uh, we have a pretty good idea. Again, obviously, they could add things. Things could be changed. Who knows how old the documents they got were, um, so where forecasting was uh, and all that good stuff. But, yep, the, the games are out there. Uh, bummer for Capcom uh, employees and the stuff who's, they, they got leaked. That stinks. Um, so maybe don't go look at those things. I would encourage you not to. But, you know, the game base and things like that, you're going to be able to find pretty much everywhere. So Yeah, they skipped E3, so this was probably most of – if not all of what they were going to cover anyways. Yeah. But yeah, all that personal data stuff is a bummer. Absolutely. All right, Josh, what's your second topic this week? Well, this is where Josh eats crow, as they say. <laughs> Maybe I was wrong. Uh, there is a certain Kickstarter that's that's back up, and it's doing pretty well. And it is Harry Potter Catch the Snitch, a Wizards sports board game from 
King for Night King Forge. Why did I say Night Games? <laughs> this is a game that I talked about where they put out a weird update blaming the current U.S. political climate and how their social media was not being used by anybody, which is just not true. But maybe it was more true than I thought. Uh, at least if you're <laughs> overseas. Uh, they're in Madrid, Spain, where they're kickstarting this game on a goal of $53,000. They're currently at $194,000. I will say they did change their prices a little bit. A Not little bit. a lot. No. Um, so I believe instead of being in in the base game at $110, you're in at $101. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not crazy. You still don't get Harry Potter in the base game. <laughs> no, you do now. Oh, they added him. Sorry. Yeah, he he his figure is now in the base box. Is it just him though? I, oh yes, Harry yeah, Potter miniature. So you don't get Ron or or the gang. <laughs> They're still included in the All Star pledge. There's also a new pledge, the Quidditch World Cup pledge. Uh, well, it looks like they've. Twisted and they they changed a little bit of what comes in what. Originally there was only two pledges. Now there's three. The second pledge puts you in about 155 US dollars. The third pledge puts you in at 196 US dollars or five, if my no and six. Just poor vision. Uh, it's still the same game we talked about. It is a skirmish Quidditch game. Now, they didn't really change anything else about um, the art. I will admit I didn't look at the stretch goals to see if they changed any of the stretch goals, but it is certainly possible that they did that. Um, There's definitely a lot of Kickstarter exclusives. There is a side B game board as a stretch goal, which is a World Cup pitch, which is definitely a... They're not British, but that's definitely a British or... Cricket term? (laughs) Soccer pitch. Soccer pitch. Yeah, so Harry Potter Miniature is now included in the base game. He's also included in the All-Star Pledge, just so you know. (laughs) Um, But so is all the other people that you are thinking of. And then the Quidditch World Cup uh, includes others. Another box of, of miniatures as well. So, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I talked about this because I came down a little hard on it before, and it's definitely doing well. It's definitely way out of my price range and my interest area. Uh, but I still think if this was a $65 game, I would be buying it on Kickstarter. So who knows what's going to happen, but uh, there's lots of upgradables. You can buy... Um, uh, house tie that are 15 pounds each. That's like 20 bucks each for a set of dice for your yeah. house. If you want all of them, you need to get the World Cup dice, the Magic dice, the Gryffindor dice, the Slytherin dice, the Ravenclaw dice, the Hufflepuff dice. So that's like $125 for dice. <laughs> you can buy the dice towers, which are considerably cheaper than the dice, <laughs> which is nice. Sleeves, you could buy a, a, a large play mat, which is nice. So this is uh, another thing where you can you can uh, manage your pledge 
as far as optional buys, but it's still not as seamless as the service I talked about that I don't even remember the name of because they haven't made a mark for me. <laughs> but I guess this is how we want to manage uh, optional buys. Yeah, if there's some interesting stretch goals, some of them will get you Draco Malfoy as a year two player. But if you back the full version, you also get a Draco Malfoy first year miniature. Uh, so they definitely double down on some of the characters. Hermione, Draco, Hagrid, Victor Krum. Uh So there's a lot of stuff to see here. If you if you love miniatures and love Harry Potter, I guess. I really don't see how you skip this one. Has this enticed you at all? <laughs> I talked to the partner about it, and then I told her how much it was, and she said no. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's kind of the way that went. Here's the thing I don't know, and I probably should watch a video about this, so it's probably not sh- fair of me even to say, mm. but I want to get your feedback on it. So they talk a lot about how the teams are fully customizable, right? That you can kind of create the teams that are going to work best. Sure. So does that mean that in theory, if I get the all-star pledge that has the star player box or the world cup pledge that has the star player and world cup box that I can actually make a better team than if I just had the regular base box. Like are the, are the, are the players you're getting actually more powerful so you could actually just, you know, like, are you paying to win ostensibly? Granted, you're probably going to play with someone else who has access to the same things you do. Yeah. But do you get what I'm saying? Like, is this pay to win in some ways that you're going to get more powerful, be able to do cooler stuff uh, if you add these things on? And I guess realistically, is that any different than an, any expansion for a board game that now unlocks new things you can do? Yeah, I mean, the fact that they offer Draco year two implies that he's better than the first year. I do think it's different. <clears throat> than other games because at least in other games it's mostly like up to chance uh and in this it's more of now i'm saying that not having played blood bowl or warhammer or these games that are are similar to this um but yeah uh pay to win is interesting especially if this is a game that isn't intended to be like played in tournaments and stuff uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but you know, I guess it's not that different than going and buying, you know, fourteen key forge decks and hoping or magic decks. Really, that's probably a more apt comparison. Uh, it just is. It just I don't know. Maybe it's my inexperience with skirmish games. It it just doesn't seem to fit in with what I know and how I feel about tabletop board games. Right, and typically. And maybe this is how it works out, because typically for skirmish games, you have a point value that you're allowed to recruit ostensibly that your team can be worth X number of points. Yeah. So my assumption would be that the better cards are worth more points. You couldn't just have all the better versions of every player on the field that eventually you'd run out of point allocation. Because like Warhammer, when I played Warhammer, you know, there was a point allocation and tournaments had different point allocations. So then you had to determine your units based off the number of points because each unit had a certain point value. So I assume it's something like that since this is a skirmish style game. Uh, I just wonder if it's, you know, I I guess in some ways it's really not that different than X-Wing or any of the other ones that are out there as far as buying additional units to really make the best team. So it really isn't that different. For some reason, it feels different to me, though, but I think that's just my bias. It does feel different. Uh, Probably theme. It's probably theme, right? 
Um, but I agree with you. It does feel a little different. But uh, when thinking about X-Wing, it, I mean, it makes sense, right? <clears throat> you, you know, you're putting out your units based on what you want to represent your team. I, I think that, that, okay, so maybe I just discovered why I feel like it's different. Going into combat on X-Wing, um, and I'm just using this based on Star Wars verse, uh, taking in, let's say, uh, an A-Wing... Uh, two B wings and five X wings. Point value might equal fifteen Tie fighters or four Tie bombers, but Quidditch is a set number of players. Oh, it's true. So that's where I think that's the differences, right? If you can add a second year Draco versus a first year Harry, and you can't add more players, then yeah, it definitely is a little bit more play to win than than an X wing comparison would be. So, but yeah, you were definitely right though. This came back and uh, was pretty darn successful. Obviously, it's not <laughs> done yet. Still has some more yeah. days to go, and so there's still more that can be unlocked as far as those stretch goals go. Because it still has, by the time you listen to this, uh, a little over two weeks will still be to go, able to go if you listen to it the day this releases. Um, yeah, I'm surprised because they came back with a vengeance. And Josh, maybe they were wrong. Maybe it was because of our election. That's why they were being unsuccessful. I mean, if anything, what do I know about Kickstarter? That's all I take away from this. <laughs> Awesome. Anything else about Harry Potter? Catch the snitch. Yeah, I mean, if it's like if it's something you're interested in, grab it. I would I would grab it if it was more affordable, but uh, uh, just not not in the cards for me. Yep, I hear you because I am definitely in the same boat. All right, Josh, you ready for the news that shook the video game world? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, once I have it, I'll let you know. But I have this other story to talk about instead. So, Josh, for a long time. There has, not for a long time, for a while, there's been some thoughts and wonders if PlayStation was ever going to do anything to rival Game Pass. And, you know, a lot of people who play uh, on PlayStation have talked about, oh, PlayStation now exists. It's different, but, you know, you still get access to a lot of games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, with the PlayStation 5 having released uh, one of our very own, very, very favorite people, Jim Ryan. Yes, very favorite. Uh, <laughs> the PlayStation's <laughs> boss is out there making the media rounds, talking about how wonderful it is, how many units PlayStation has sold, that there's no more available. They're all sold out everywhere. Mm. And, you know, they've sold every single one of them. Uh, and with doing a interview with TAS.com, which is a, um, it's a Russian site, actually. Here we go. Port of the video game is pushing the Russian agenda. <laughs> pushing the Russian agenda. One of the questions asked during this rather lengthy interview that you can go ahead and see, they ask a lot of things about, you know, COVID and how that impacted, uh, how launch went, transitioning of players from PS4 to PS5, all those sorts of things. But one of the questions that was asked was, how will you respond to Microsoft Game Pass? Mm-hmm. And Jim Ryan said, quote, there's actually news to come, but just not today. We have PlayStation now, which is our subscription service, and that is available in a number of markets, end quote. Josh, do you actually believe PlayStation is going to come out with some sort of service to attempt to rival Game Pass? And if so, what do you think that service is going to be? Like, what's it going to have? Are they going to offer their AAA (laughs) exclusive games day one for a subscription price? What do you think? Lion Jim Ryan. I didn't make it up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that they will. It seems inevitable. Uh, I I hear both sides of the arguments, right? PlayStation doesn't necessarily have to compete. They have, like, the finest um, first-party titles. 
However, if you would ask Blockbuster that when Netflix came out, Blockbuster probably would have said the same thing. We don't have to compete with Netflix. We're better than them. We have what people want. We have what people are asking for. And they can just come and get it. And PlayStation doesn't have a Game Pass. I mean, they have PlayStation now. I get it. But what I see more is people struggling to compare the two of them than actually just being able to compare it as an equal service. And I only say that as someone who has not experienced PlayStation now, but I do know its limitations as far as like streaming. And now they're adding more games that you can download. Um, but I don't know that they're on the same par as Game Pass. And and I also don't know how many third-party titles are available. I definitely know every first-party PlayStation game is not available on it at launch, which is smart of PlayStation. Um, I mean, there's a lot to be said about both, and definitely when you're comparing the two. I just don't feel comfortable <clears throat> with my knowledge of PS Now comparing them, but I do feel comfortable saying... If PlayStation wants to compete at the subscription level, they have to have a more competitive version of Game Pass. It doesn't have to be Game Pass. It doesn't have to be every PlayStation first-party title. But like what we saw with um, getting our PS5s and having this library, PS Plus library of games... Like, that's a step toward the right direction, right? That wasn't available actively on PS Now. Like, PS Now does the same thing Game Pass does. And it removes games and it adds games. So <clears throat> I'm going to use a uh, uh, an example. So um, Lucas from PSVG Prime and uh, Flexipose, he has PS Now on PC. And he was really looking forward to playing a bunch of games. And... Half of them weren't available to him when he wanted to play them. And even when he was playing Spider-Man, it shut off in the middle of his end credits of the game. Like, they literally removed it from PS Now as he was experiencing the end credits in the story of (laughs) Spider-Man. So there's definitely, like, challenges. So we know Microsoft, their first-party games will always be on Game Pass. They're not going away. But we also, and then we also know, uh, usually uh, within like a week's notice, and I'm not saying PlayStation just removes them without notice, but with Game Pass, speaking from experience, I know you get about a week to two weeks notice about games leaving Game Pass. They're like, hey, if you want to play these games, play them now. Uh, so if you want to compete with that, I mean, what is the easiest thing to do? It's just emulate that, right? Right. Uh, and, and, PlayStation is in a nice position where they don't literally have to try to copy Microsoft because they're not going to offer first-party games for free on release. But they could offer first-party games a year after they release very easily. You could go buy Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Collection for $10 right now, but it's not available to people who haven't played it yet like via like a PlayStation service. Mm-hmm. So why not do that? Right? Like, I think that they would be silly to not offer their version of PlayStation Game Pass, which is like PS Now Plus or something silly. <laughs> like, just a, just a advanced, better version of PS Now. Yeah. 
I'll be interested to see what they do because it wasn't all that long ago that <laughs> Jim Ryan. Gosh, I do not like Jim Ryan. Um, Nobody does. Jim You're not Ryan. alone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that he was saying that they didn't really think it was profitable. And I'm, and that's what I kind of, in some ways, worry about for PlayStation is, in some ways, I think Microsoft has laid the groundwork for PlayStation gamers to want something like Game Pass, yeah. so that if PlayStation were to go into the market now, it probably would be more profitable for them because they don't have to make the same investments that Microsoft had to to get it off the ground. Right, there's going to obviously be some investment, but Microsoft had to put out a lot of money for a long time to get a lot of games, to get everything on it, and now everyone's like, "Oh, Game Pass, best value in gaming, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So I'll be very interested to see what um, PlayStation would do, especially with their first-party games, because that's kind of their bread and butter. That's how they make their money. That's really what they, you know, lay their hat on is, Hey, we have the best first party games out there. Um, um, so I'm trying to figure out like what I would pay for a monthly PlayStation subscription. They don't, I mean, if they, if they got to the point that they put their new games day and date on it, you know, they're like Nintendo. They don't, they don't have to do this. They'll be fine. Like I literally just jumped, jumped at the chance to buy a Wii U port mario on switch for 40 dollars like i jumped <laughs> at the opportunity to do that a game that is arguably eight years old and i was like 40 dollars what a deal i could go buy a man eater for 14 dollars today i can buy nhl 21 for 24 dollars today i jumped at the chance to buy an eight-year-old nintendo port for $40 on the Switch. Like, Nintendo knows what they're doing. Sony knows what they're doing. This is really Sony saying they want to compete with Game Pass. That's all it really is. They don't have to compete with Game Pass. They sell three times more consoles than Xbox does a year. <laughs> like, it, you know, they're, they're fine, but the question comes down to, with the world coming down to, the world, like, relying on subscription-based services... It becomes right. more of a comfortability, right? Like, I bought an Xbox One S, we'll say, as a general consumer for 300 bucks, the same price as a Switch. But I have 100 games at my disposal, and they change every month. So I have, you know, and like PS Now doesn't have that. And if they do, you're still getting in at four or 500 bucks on, on a new console, at least. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's those are the barriers. Like, they don't have to compete because they'll always be successful and profitable it just depends on how much market share they want yeah it is interesting because you know ps now is as as far as the service goes it's not that bad it's like 800 games it's a lot of games it's a lot of games all of them you can't download the ps3 ones but the ps4 and the ps2 ones you can download ps2 which games. are nice <laughs> ps2 games yeah Oh boy. You can't download. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um hey, hey. I'm not trying Xbox, to come I'm not coming down the service. I'm just coming down yeah. on the quality of those games <laughs> compared yeah. to well, you know. Look at that PS Classic <laughs> hey. sitting on target shelves forever. <laughs> well, just telling you, Xbox folks tell me how important it is to be able to play uh, games that are that old. So I'm just saying <laughs> they have them. Um so which is interesting because then the rebuttal is always like, well, it's not as good of a service 
as far as quality of games right. that Game Pass is. And I, I think that probably is a reasonable argument. There are very good games that are on the on PS now, but they definitely rotate off much quicker. Uh, and there are weird options about what's there because not everything is there and you think it should be because like easy example resistance three is on the service but not resistance one or two wasn't streaming was an issue too like you had to stream the games you do what well, their playstation three you do okay so that you I mean, don't have to you don't playstation two and playstation four games you can download, download. Okay, to your console okay. yep so yeah the playstation three games that you do have to download, have to stream but the funny thing is is when i think about then this playstation plus collection that they just created yeah for for ps5 people now this is going to be my PlayStation bias showing. I feel like that collection rivals Game Pass in and of itself. Oh, I disagree, but that's fine only because I played all of the games they released on the PlayStation collection. <laughs> right, I like Game Pass is appealing because I haven't played those games. I'm just saying from a quality of games perspective. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on that to to a degree because I, yeah. I can't. Now, granted, I think when I went judge through, the quality I think it was of the games I haven't games. played yet. Yeah, I think it was three games that I was able to add to my cart in that yeah, collection, yeah. <laughs> and I had played them, but I just had them physically. Yeah. So it I hear wasn't you. it wasn't the best deal for me, but for other people, it might have been a good deal. Uh, but in in the end, I'll be very interested to see what PlayStation does with this. I mm, I'm going to be hard pressed to believe they're ever going to do a, a service exactly like Game Pass. But like you said, I think it could be something where you'll get the games three months, six months, a year later, whatever it might be, and then they stay on the service. So. I could see something like that happen, or they make a commitment that, you know, if you get PlayStation Plus, you know, the games will be on PlayStation, be part of PlayStation Plus within one year of their release, or something similar to that. Maybe they could do a thing where if you have PlayStation Game Pass, we'll keep your cloud saves for you. (laughs) That seems like too much to ask, Josh. They, PlayStation doesn't do that kind of software. They only do video game software, not the kind of stuff that keeps saves. Forget that. That's not in their No, house. why would you do that? <laughs> awesome. All right, Josh, what is your topic three this hey, week? Hey, well, speaking of Sony, before I even read you the article, I'm going to ask you the questions. No, I had to read you the article first. <laughs> All right, so this is from Eurogamer. Uh, this is from uh, Wesley Yin Poole. He asks the question, well, he says, the balls in Sony's court for PS4 games running at 120 frames per second on PS5. So now I ask you the question, if it's doable, do people want this? And what, what does Sony owe to us, the consumer? Do you, do you feel like you need your PlayStation 4 games to run at 120 frames per second when arguably only a quarter of the launch titles run at 120 frames per second and maybe less <laughs> uh okay so this is gonna be a bias situation yeah. because i don't have a television that handles 120. if you did see that's where to get that bias out of here kyle <laughs> i'm trying to get that bias out of here i have a tv that does can handle I see it. 120 uh, yeah you know and this is this isn't me being trying to be snarky about it like can i see that I don't know. I don't even know if I want it, Josh. 60 looked way better than 30. Is 120 look that way better than 60? I don't even know. <laughs> well, I watch I, I watch like when I watch streamers play on um Twitch and they're like running like 100 and 200 whatever frames per second and they're like, "Oh, I had a drop frame." I'm like, "Really? Like you really could see that you had a drop frame there?" Like, "Really?" Right. I don't know. I have no idea, Josh. I don't know the answer to this. Well, here's here's okay. 
Well, I think I see where you're coming from, right? Because of the Spider-Man thing. Like, I think we both kind of fall into that category. We didn't think there would be that much of a difference. There clearly is a huge difference, at least in Spider-Man, at least in certain aspects of Spider-Man. What 30 to 60 looks like when you remove parts of the game. I want to make one quick clarifier. There are definitely games that I love running at 60 frames. I think Spider-Man was the first game where I truly noticed a difference and felt because, for example, The Last of Us. When Last of Us Remastered came out, there was an option to play that game at 60 or the game is in 60 or whatever it is. To me, ah, I something about the way that that game is created and designed and the pacing of the game, 30 frames per second feels like a completely reasonable way and good way to experience that game. Yes. Spider-Man was the first time that I can recall being like, wow, the feel of this game is drastically improved by going to 60 frames per second. Right. Other games like Overwatch is 60 frames. I would not want to play it at 30. Call of Duty is 60 frames. I would not ideally want to play that game at 30 either. That So I, I think there's an advantage to 60 frames. I have always kind of generally felt that. I just is not someone who is like 30 frames equals bad. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't, I don't think so either. So I'm going to ask you a question, but I'm going to ask our listeners to answer this question too. Um, but when it comes down to it, plain and simple, do you think you want to play God of War at 120 frames per second? Pause for silence. <laughs> I know that was, I was thinking about it. I mean, I have another, yes. I have a follow-up question to that though. So you, yes. Okay. Do you think that but, Sony owes it to you to, to put the time in to make that possible as someone who you are that invested in a PlayStation Five? Oh wait, are you talking like the past God of War, not the upcoming God of no, War? No, the most, the the most recent, but not out yet. Oh, that's already War. released. Oh, I don't know. Do I want to play that one? I don't really, don't really care. If you had, if play, you, you know, hadn't played it, do you think you'd want to play it at one twenty? This is I don't the question I'm asking, Kyle. I want to ask people listening to, so okay. to the world. Yes. Imagine you haven't played God of War. I'm, let's let's put a couple out there because I think Days Gone is probably a good example of what a game could be compared to what it was, um, at least post patch or pre patch. Uh, God of War, Ghost of Tsushima, Days Gone, Spider Man. Do you think if you had never played these games, I don't even want to say that you want to play it at one twenty. Do you think that Sony should dedicate the resources? to making these games available to you at 120 frames per second on a PlayStation 5. If your TV, which means you have to have bought a TV in the past year and a half to support 120 frames, unless you spent $12,000 on a TV, then I guess you could have bought it three years ago. Um, Do you think that that's something that they should offer? Is this even a newsworthy piece? Well, I I think that, let me say that, would it this to me is the same way I feel about backwards compatibility? It would be nice, but it's not something that I absolutely think is super important. Yeah. So that's kind of my thought on it. If we get it, great, but it's not something that I'm beating down the doors for. I do think this shows the difference in how Xbox approached backwards compatibility versus PlayStation. PlayStation said, hey, it's up to the developer, but we have PS4 games and we have PS5 games because we believe in generations, right? Yeah. (laughs) So if a developer wants to make a PS5 version of a game that takes advantage of the game running at 120, they can, but they cannot enable their PS4 games to do that. 
I don't think that's the ideal solution. I, I think obviously that Microsoft's uh, way that they have handled backwards compatibility is better for the player and the developer. It, it seems that's pretty clear. Yeah. I do wonder though, with how much, how active the PS4 user base has been this year, mostly because of the pandemic, likely. Yeah. I do wonder if that will show PlayStation or if that will encourage PlayStation to maybe rethink how they're handling this because the PS4 player base is very active um, and more active than it's been like basically any year since, since the PS4 launched. So if they see that as an easier way to transition them to the PS5, I could definitely see them making that effort. But for me personally, like I said, it's a lot like backwards compatibility. It'd be nice if it worked that way. If it doesn't, it's not a make or break for me. Do you think, so, so you brought up the we believe in generations thing, which I was going to back off from, but I'll jump in on it real quick. Yeah, go so for it. So Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden mm-hmm. West comes out next year, we'll say. Yes. Hypothetically. It runs at 120 on PS5, but not PS4. Big deal if it's running at 30 on PS4 and 120 on PS5. I mean, I don't think that game's running at 120 <laughs> at any place. Right. But no, because that's why you have a PS5, right? Like that's not, that to me is not a big deal. Okay. That's what you have the the next level equipment for. That's why you have a PS5 version of the game is to take advantage of the extra horsepower that's in the system. Okay. The question would be, you know, if in this case, right, like if the game came out on PS4 um, and the developer, because really the question is if the game came out on PS4 and the developer doesn't want to make a dedicated PS5 port, should they be allowed to unlock essentially the power of the PS4 version when playing through backwards compatibility? Sure, but we we play Call of Duty at, well, I played Call of Duty at 120. You played it at whatever, whatever TV can handle, but the people 60. who bought it, the people who bought it on PS4 got it at 30. No, not Call of Duty. Is it 60? Call of Duty's always 60. Is locked 60? Call of Duty's been 60 forever. Yeah. So then, okay. Well, okay. Well, that, that's a whole different set of questions. I don't even <laughs> want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, Call of Duty's big thing is this is a 60 frame per second game and has been for many, many, many years. That's why people are always so impressed that it looks as good as it does because it's always been running at 60. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I, yeah, that's true. And it changes. <laughs> what could be an hour long conversation with Josh about 120 (laughs) frames now. So, uh, yeah, so I guess, uh, I, I think Kyle and I definitely have our thoughts. I don't know that we definitely like land specifically on an answer, but I want to know what, what our listeners think about, uh, about, let's just put it into the PS4 pro camp, not just PS4s in general, but let's just say PS4 pros. Do you think that, uh, if Sony has the ability to do so, do you think that they should dedicate the resources to making those games run at 120? Or do you think they should just focus, like as they say, on generations and make that a PS5 thing? So I want to put that out to our listeners and uh, tweet at us or email us or whatever. And we'll we'll cover that stuff in the next coming weeks because I'm curious. Because I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> awesome. All right, Josh. Well, this is, yeah, we you know the reverse psychology Alangi. definitely did not work. <laughs> it's gonna be a longy today. All right, final cat topic this year or this year, this week. Uh, the the Game Awards have announced their nominees. 
so we are going to go through some of them, not all of them, and just talk about them, talk about our thoughts, maybe who we think or would want to see win in these areas. I'm going to skip a whole bunch of like esports. Esports. There's a hundred categories of esports. <laughs> There's a whole <laughs> lot of them. Uh, so I'm going to definitely skip a lot of things, but I do want to go into uh, some very specific ones that I think will impact us or that we, I know we have played a number of the games in. So starting with, I'm looking at Games Radar. I know you could just go to the Games Game Awards website, but I'm looking at the list on Games Radar. So number one, Josh, because I'm interested to get your feedback on it, because I've heard some rumblings on this one, and oh. I really want to get someone's perspective who it was their game of the year earlier in the year. Best multiplayer game. <laughs> yeah. The nominees are uh, Valorant, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, Call of Duty Warzone, Among Us, which is funny because it's a 2018 game, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Animal Crossing New Horizons. Josh, I thought Animal Crossing's New Horizons multiplayer was bad. It's, ba- that it's what barely says? a multiplayer game. <laughs> yeah, it's not a very good multiplayer game. But they got to give Nintendo love where they can, I guess. Well, and keep in mind, you know, that a whole bunch of different outlets... Uh, 95, I think, different outlets are who made the nominations. Yeah. I, hmm, Animal, hmm, I, and I, can't, I really shouldn't be able to say anything because I have not played Animal Crossing New Horizons, but I don't think I've ever heard someone say something positive about the multiplayer in that game. There's lots of multiplayer, but none of it is satisfying. Like, so, it's there, though. Gotcha. Any other thoughts on multiplayer? Any games you're kind of leaning towards? Have you played some of these? I've, yes, I know that for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, uh, in a world, in the, the the year that is 2020, things I would never think I would say is like, I think I would pick Fall Guys. Uh, I don't think it will win, but I would I would pick Fall Guys. Um, if I played more Among Us this year, you know, I would definitely... I, I love Among Us. I think it's great, but there's definitely... Um, it's horrible if you don't play with voice chat. It's like one of the worst games you could ever play with vo- without voice chat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Fall Guys, it just, it's like, it hits that knit and like that, hey, you, you want to play Wipeout, the, the video game? Well, we even made it better. Like, I love Fall Guys. I still play Fall Guys actively. Uh, but I mean, it's not going to beat Call of Duty. Like, that. we're not in a world where Fall Guys beats Call of Duty, unfortunately. Or fortunately, yeah. I guess, depending on your, your viewpoint. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have played some of these. Haven't played, obviously, Valorant. I've watched people play Valorant uh, and have not played Animal Crossing. But I'm wondering if Fall Guys has enough momentum still or if Among Us, because it's the newest, latest, best kind of hot thing that's going on, might potentially steal it, but people really love, you know, Nintendo. So maybe Animal Crossing will get it. I, for me, from this list, I would probably pick Fall Guys as well. I like Warzone, but I prefer just more traditional Call of Duty multiplayer than Warzone, which I know I'm in the minority there. But that's my preference. So I, from this list, would pick Fall Guys. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. What do you think will win? I think Call of Duty will win. Uh, you think so? Valorant. I mean, I'm. I don't know. I know that. It just, I haven't heard enough about it. And like, this isn't, it's probably very popular, but it's not getting that Counter-Strike talk like I expected it to. So I'm maybe I'm just not in the right circles, but it's just not on my radar. Yeah, it, it's, I always feel like it fits into that niche of, hey, we don't talk about League of Legends all the time, but it doesn't mean it's not like the most popular game in the world, right. you know? But at least we heard about League of Legends for five years before we stopped hearing about League of Legends. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so... A lot of uh, pro Overwatch players have quit Overwatch to go play pro Valorant. Well, so you got, there's that. You hear it here first. They're idiots. 
I don't know if they would say that, but that's no, okay. I'm sure they wouldn't. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you, so I'm not a sim strategy guy, but I know you are. Do you want to talk about the best sim strategy category at all? Let me look at it real quick. Why are we on the same website and you're not going in the same order? What are you doing? I am started at the bottom and started working my way up. Oh, they're in a different order, I guess, because... Oh, are they really? Oh, well, I'm not they the have, very, no, very they have best multiplayer on here twice, uh, which is weird. They have it up at the very top, too. Um, oh, interesting. I mean, we get to uh, best sim strategy. I, I would just say Gears Tactics is a is a top tier um, strategy game that, that that people need to play that aren't playing. So maybe I don't understand, but is it odd that Wasteland 3 isn't on here? Yeah, Wasteland 3 should 100% be on the list over XCOM Chimera Squad, which is basically like a micro expansion to XCOM. Interesting. Okay. So Gears Tactics, there's where Josh is living. Okay. Next one I want to talk about, best family game. Hey, look, Animal Crossing New Horizons is back, along with Crash Bandicoot 4, Fall Guys again, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, Minecraft Dungeons, and Paper Mario the Origami King. Mm. Any strong feelings on family game? I think Minecraft Dungeons is going to win, but uh, I don't I don't know what I would lean to. Uh, Fall Guys is still a fun game. I don't know that it wins family game. Animal Crossing... It has a better chance at winning game of the year, honestly, than it does multiplayer or a family game. Because um, Animal Crossing is a solitary game, which has parts multiplayer. It's not right. a family game. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of surprised Mario Kart Live Home Circuit is on here. Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's, it's bad, getting a lot but... of buzz, but, you know, it's it's another solitary game. Uh, Unless, like, you have to buy individual versions of it per person. Like, I don't know that I would include it as family. Like, there's probably eight other Nintendo games I would include in this category over the ones they included. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, Minecraft Dungeons is where I would go here. I have enjoyed my time with that game. I uh, would like to play it more, but there's just so many darn games out that I have not played it. Uh, best fighting game, I think, is very funny because there's multiple just relaunches of games that have yeah. been out for a long time. Um. So yeah, I I mean I know you're a fighting game fan. Do you want to talk about best fighting game? If Mortal Kombat 11 doesn't win, it will be a crime against fighting games. A crime, against even if you just games. use Aftermath as the nominee. The, just saying, the amount of content really, in Aftermath is is stellar. Uh, you know those Arc System Works games though. The fighting game community really loves so. Undernight in birth, you never know. It might sneak in there. Yeah, I know. And people really and you know, the Grand Blue <clears throat> Fantasy games people really like too from the fighting game yes, community. There's I always know. secret like I'm I'm not on I don't have my finger on the pulse of Japanese fighting game fans, so who knows? Well, and who knows the I'm sure I could go look at their website and find out where all these uh sites that vote on this are from, but I have a feeling it's gonna be more than likely be Mortal Kombat would be. You know what I wouldn't vote for? Street Fighter V Champion uh, Edition. <laughs> Okay. Uh, best role-playing game, yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Genshin Impact, Persona 5 Royal, Wasteland 3 Weird. here instead of, <laughs> and then Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, I thought, yeah, this is where I got confused, because I thought Wasteland would be down yeah. in the sim strategy, but what do I know? They put it here to die. So, thoughts? It's un- <laughs> so. unfair categorizing of Wasteland 3. Categorizing games is hard, yo. Well, it's not that hard. We just figured out where it should belong. <laughs> That's true. That's true. What are your thoughts on best role playing? Uh, I mean, for me, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm not in the Persona 5 world or the Yakuza world. And and I really think Genshin Impact could take us like the underdog win, but but who knows? Yeah, Persona 5, 
I know that game is very, very good, and it seems to be, from an outlet standpoint, well-loved. I think Final Fantasy VII Remake wins this. That would be my pick as well. I know people are liking Yakuza Like a Dragon. I will play that game eventually, probably. Uh, I don't know when. When it's free on PlayStation <laughs> Plus in two years, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the Yakuza games. It just, yeah. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to get to it because even when it comes out on PS5 in March, uh, we have a big, busy, busy spring ahead yeah. of us. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake is where I'm sitting on that one too. Uh, best Action Adventure, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghost of Tsushima, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Remember that game that was out a year ago? Uh, and The Last <laughs> of Us Part Two. Yeah. Josh, this is a heck of a category. Those are some great games. It's basically the Game of the Year category without saying it (laughs) yeah i mean where are you leading here i think i know where you're going but i mean ghost of tsushima like hands down no question for me i just didn't know if if your star wars love was strong star wars is a great game it's not ghost level i mean it's 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 a great star wars game in an unfortunate um line of star wars games so it makes it 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 probably seems better than it is because we've been waiting for so long (laughs) For sure. And I'm right there with you. Obviously, I love Ghost of Tsushima. I really like The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, or In the Will of the Wisp, which I have, still haven't gotten to. I really need to play that game. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. I'm kind of surprised this game didn't get more love, but I also recognize that it just came out. out like the three days or something before nominations were due. So I'm not totally surprised it's not in here more. But yeah, I... I am down for Ghost of Tsushima here as well. That's the game I would like to see win. I think Sucker Punch really did a nice job with that game. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I I genuinely think this could go... I could make a reasonable argument for any of these games. So next game on the list then, or next category on the list, is Best Action Game. The nominees for this bad boy are going to be not surprising. Doom Eternal, Hades, Half-Life, Half-Life Alex, whoo, Neo 2... And Streets of Rage 4, whereas the previous category was all basically big, huge, triple-A blockbuster games. Best Action got some good mixture in there. We have some big triple-A games with Dune Eternal. We have a VR game with Half-Life Alex, Neo 2, a tough-as-nails kind of Souls-inspired game. Hades, which obviously Josh is adoring. And Streets of Rage 4, another indie-style game that, you know... People really enjoyed. I think if you like the brawler area, it, it's definitely a good, solid game there. Josh had to run quick. He'll be back. So I know his pick for this is Hades. That is my pick as well because, you know, Hades is amazing. And Supergiant does only puts out good games. They've only ever put out good games. Uh, and Hades is just as good as pretty much any game they have ever done. So with that, Josh, do you want to talk about VR AR at all? I just told everyone your pick for action. Any thoughts on VR AR? Do you want to skip that? Well, I feel bad because I realized three quarters of the way through typing on my clickety-clackety keyboard you were talking. <laughs> and it it's was okay. just me interrupting you. Um, <clears throat> uh, I haven't played enough of either of these games in VR to have a solid opinion. That's totally fine. So let's go to innovation and accessibility because this has got some interesting games in it that I want to talk about very briefly. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Grounded, Hyperdot, The Last of Us Part Two, Watch Dogs Legion. Josh, do you have a feeling about where this might go? Well, being someone who uh, fortunately um, doesn't have to worry about this, uh, I mean, just hearing about someone blind playing through the entirety of Last of Us Part Two, 
leads me to believe that this is probably the pick, but uh, there's a lot to be said about what Microsoft did with the adaptive controller, uh, but you can't necessarily apply it to any one of these individual games, um, with the exception of Granted, because you can only play it on Xbox. Well, you can play it on PC, right? PC, um, yeah. So I think it's hard to just kind of give Microsoft credit for this category. So for something where I've heard The Last of Us Part Two was like super focused on accessibility, I, w- I think I would have to give it to that. Yeah, based off everything that they did for that game, I can't. I would be very surprised if this game didn't win. Uh, I don't know if it's the exact same outlets that vote on this like category, or if any different folks are able to vote on this. But it really seems like The Last of Us Part Two. I'm trying to even put aside, you know, my my PlayStation fandom. Uh, they went above and beyond to make that game as accessible as they could, um, including you know being able to completely remap how the the Dual Shock worked. You could flip the Dual Shock upside down on its side. I mean, you could just do yeah. at, like Colors, sounds, yeah, above, truly above and beyond. So I feel like that game is going to win there, and you know maybe that'll be the only thing Last of Us Part Two wins. We'll have to see. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick. I'm going to skip um, community support unless you have a strong desire to talk about it. Nope. Awesome. All right, we're just going to go. Uh, we're going to skip mobile as well. We'll go to best indie mm. uh, because this is some pretty darn good games in this one. Carry on, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, Hades, Splunky Two, and Spirit Fairer. Mm. The list for best indie games this year. Josh, I feel like I know where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about Hades because I, I, I know we're going to talk about it again in the future. But yeah, um, I guess just to say, I'll say it here and I'll say it, you can just copy and paste this for any time I talk about Hades. It, Hades took a game that I enjoyed already that is new to me this like past two years. Um, and I'll use Dead Cells as an example, where I really enjoyed the gameplay, but I couldn't get past the, a certain hour mark. <laughs> and I and and Hades says for for however they've done it, and I, I know I know how it's it's through the story. Um, they've just made me want to keep going back and playing it and playing it and playing it. And I don't feel the repetitiveness, but I also acknowledge that people are feeling the repetitiveness. It's just not hit me that way. And I feel like I'm in a, I'm in the upside down. Everyone who loves Hollow Knight and Dead Cells and Celeste, I'm over here like Hades. Hades, 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 Hades. <laughs> you take your difficult games and give me the story by the same controls, so to speak. And like, I'm happy here. I'm happy you're in the upside down. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I agree. I think Hades for me is definitely the the pick there. Uh, best ongoing, unless Josh, do you have any strong feelings on best ongoing? No, it's it's a weird category that always feels uncomfortable to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, so we'll skip that. Uh, games for Impact. Mm. I think this is a really important category. I also am in the odd situation that I think for the first time ever, I've played none of these games. Same. So I do want to play Spirit Fair. I do want to play Tell Me Why. I do want to play Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition. Um, if found and through the darkest of times, I don't know much about, but I just can't comment effectively on that category, so we're going to move on. Best audio design, Doom Eternal, Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima, Resident Evil 3, Last of Us Part 2. Where are you sitting on this one, Josh? Last of Us Part 2 has to take this one. Uh, I, yeah. Ghost is Ghost is an easy answer, but if you really like pick apart the audio for Last of Us Part 2, hands down, they, they crushed it. Yeah, I would agree there. That is one thing that that game I still remember. Who the first time I, that when I got shot with that arrow, 
when I was <laughs> through that park. Oh my goodness, was that there? Like, almost peed my pants. It was very scary. And it was all because of the audio. It was because of that. It was not because of anything else. All right. <laughs> Best score and music. Yeah. Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Last of Us Part Two. This is another. These are five really great soundtracks, Josh. Yeah, and I think for people who, if you're the type of person who has Final Fantasy anything on your Spotify, uh, we know where you're voting. I'm just not that guy. Like the Hades soundtrack is, if you just take the fact that one person did it, is one thing, but it's. I think I got more of an appreciation for it when I watched the documentary, right? Um, yeah. And in, in really like understanding how it's all done, mm-hmm. uh, I can't I can't unsee it. So I will have to pick Hades because I've seen maybe if I've seen how Doom Eternal or Ori or Last of Us soundtrack was made, I'd have a more like apt comparison. But right. I saw how Hades soundtrack was made, and I can't unsee it. <laughs> nope, for sure. Well, and I just really love Hades soundtrack it fits with i do genuinely like all of these uh and some of them are better for me depending on what mood i'm in compared to others and hades is just the more common that i will listen to hades almost any time the last one's part two as an example great soundtrack there are only certain times i'm going to listen to that soundtrack because of just the style of music that it is doesn't make it bad it just means from a taste perspective i don't listen to that kind of music all the time uh but hades always is a jam with me really really enjoy it so i'm with you right there best art direction final fantasy 7 remake ghost of tsushima hades the last of us part two ori and the will of the wisps now i'm a lot of these games (laughs) we're talking about a lot i'm tempted to just give everything to hades but i really think uh ori and the will of the wisps would would take this category for me um even though i am mostly not a platformer guy and or just wasn't the game for me uh i don't know that i can deny the art direction for that game like and how impressive it is no i agree i think this is a category that all these games do very very well but i think ori and hades are the most unique of them uh and not that not that people should do this, but I feel like this might be a category where people are like, well, let's give one to Ori. Right. And, they, and yeah. not that it's not deserved and not that it's not earned and not that it's not an amazing <laughs> game. But as because I would be very much want to give a Hades everything else, yeah. I probably would lean towards Ori for this one as well, just because of that. Uh, best narrative, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, The Last of Us Part Two. Goodness, we're saying a lot of these games over and over again. Uh, Josh, where are you sitting for best narrative? I don't want to pick Hades again. No, I don't want to pick in this category, to be honest with you. Why not? I don't have an answer. Okay. Uh, it could be, I think I, as much as I like Final Fantasy VII, I acknowledge it's a remake. And while they did change parts of the story, mm-hmm. um, that's the one I can roll out. I don't know that I can pick between ghosts hades and last of us i honestly don't have an answer yeah it's a tough one because i know the last of us is very divisive but that doesn't mean the narrative is bad like even if you don't like it and i, I know there are some people story, who like i really did too and i know there are some people who hated it but that doesn't necessarily make it a bad narrative hmm. it just means that it's a narrative you didn't like or agree with hades is i have definitely not as far as you are i need to play it more uh, Ghost of Tsushima, I really liked the narrative in that game. I do think it's maybe 
I don't want to say it's cookie cutter as far as there wasn't a ton of things that were super unpredictable to it. However, I do think the ending especially was pretty powerful. Uh, I do like the progression, the how the side stories played into the overall narrative. Uh, 30 Sentinels Aegis Rim is a game I have played and I know a lot of people haven't. And as a result, I don't think this is going to get any love. I don't think there's any chance that this game wins. But it is very, very good as well. So this is a tough category. I don't know what I'd pick right now. And honestly, what I pick today might be different than what I pick tomorrow. Right. So uh, best game director, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Last of Us Part Two, Half-Life, Alex. Thoughts, Josh? Uh, for game director, I think it has, for me, uh, it has to go to Last of Us Part Two, uh, just because of the human element and how much more motion they deal with and ghosts of Tsushima, which would probably be like second for me. Um mm-hmm. like it just feels like a movie. Can you hear my cat like digging in her litter box right now? I can't, How yeah. annoying is that? Uh <laughs> this is my wife's fault. This is in this room. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say yeah, the the last of us part here is a human story. And I'm gonna mute my mic. Yeah, that's fine. So I am going to be there right with you as well. I think Last of Us Part 2 is the where I would go. I think all these games have pretty good direction, so I, th- that's not a knock on any of them, though I haven't played Half-Life Alex. Uh, yeah, I, I would go there. Uh, speaking of which, Last of Us officially picked up for one I season saw that, yeah. for HBO. So, yeah, we'll be interested to see what they do there. Uh, best performance. Ashley Johnson as Ellie in Tilo 2. Laura Bailey as Abby in The Last of Us Part 2. Daisuke Tsutsuji as Jin Sakai in Ghost of Tsushima, Logan Cunningham as Hades in Hades, and Naji Jeter as Miles Morales in Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Josh, hey, what do you think? Ashley Johnson is my pick, for sure. I really want to pick Naji Jeter. Then pick him. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, that's what I'm picking. <laughs> I don't know that he's going to Don't win, do it, Kyle. <laughs> But that's where I'm going. I just and it could be recency bias. Everyone, I think, all of the people in this category are extremely deserving. Sure, I agree. You know, this is a t- this is another one where none of these am I like? Oh nope, shouldn't be here by any means. But that's where I'm going. And like I said, it might be recency bias, but he really made me feel something for Miles. So that's where I'm at there. And finally, last but not least, Game of the Year. The nominees are Animal Crossing New Horizons, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part Two. Mm. Josh? Well... Why is Doom Eternal on this list? <laughs> I kid. This is just the one that, for me, is very surprising. Not that Doom Eternal is a bad game. Uh, I, I just feel like I can name multiple other games that i would probably put on here before doom eternal yeah i mean i'm gonna leave out the <laughs> there's like a this large apparent like internet base that come has just come out against jeff Keeley <laughs> for some reason i'm gonna i'm Which gonna I'll leave that out of it <laughs> yeah he doesn't pick them yeah i mean five out of these six games make my top 10 and doom eternal is the sixth game <laughs> so uh right um yeah uh, I don't have a game of the year yet. I'm st- like we talked about it at the top of the show. I'm still I'm still between Hades and Ghosts of Tsushima for me. And you know, honestly, it seems weird saying Animal Crossing, but Animal Crossing, Final Fantasy VII, Last of Us Part Two, they're all a close second. Uh, so I, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have a pick for this one. Just like I don't have a pick for um, narrative. 
if you were going to replace Doom Eternal with something, what would you replace it with? Oh, good question. Um, I don't know. Now I have to think of games I've played. Miles Morales would be a good a good spot. Um, um, I don't know. Kevin just gave a game 10 out of 10. What was that game? That game probably could be better than Doom Eternal. <laughs> uh, Bug Snacks. <laughs> That was Miles Morales. <laughs> Wait, no, I know. Yeah, it's like he gave ten out of ten to Miles, right? Is that what yeah, he gave it ten? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm I'm actually blanking on games I've played this year, other than within the list. But I can guarantee you, for me, I'm not trying to deny people's love for Doom Eternal. Uh, we played a lot of games better than Doom Eternal this year. Yeah. Uh, Josh, I would probably put Astro's player Astro's playroom on here before I put Doom Eternal on here. <laughs> I'm not lying, Josh. Astro's Playroom might make my top ten. It's a fun game. I also beat that game. I meant to say a fourth game. I beat. Oh, nice a fourth job. game. I beat in this in a week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's me. Like with Team Eternal, right? Like I, I don't like I put Gears Tactics on there before Team Eternal for me. Oh, there you uh, go. That'd, that'd you be know, a good pick for sure. Like, there's a lot of games that I could put above it, but I don't want to. Like, there's definitely a huge audience for Doom Eternal. So there is. Um, you know, at least they get some representation in Game of the Year. No, absolutely. And if you love it, that we're not saying that you shouldn't love it. I mean, even something like a Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, I think I think that's a perfectly fine game to put above it too. Maybe I don't know that I would put. Huh, I'm just trying to think of games that are also nominated this year for something uh, that don't have Spellbreak. I'd uh, put Spellbreak above Doom Eternal. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's again. You know, Doom Eternal, there definitely are people who like it. There definitely are people who are into it. I just was, it seems like the one slightly different game. And I think it might be because we've had so many great games this year that after you get through Animal Crossing, Final Fantasy, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part 2, there's so many other games that you could list that Doom Eternal was just the one that happened to be listed by the Ori. You know what I'm saying? Put Ori above Doom Eternal. Yeah, Ori. Like, honestly, (laughs) I think Ori should probably be there. Um, there's just so many other games that could go there that I feel like it's like Doom Eternal got ten votes and then like twenty games got nine. Fall guys, type of a deal. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> so. going through the list of games we already covered that I just blanked my yeah. brain on. But but hey, nice job! Congratulations to all the nominees. Um, the show will be December 10th, so we'll have a little bit until uh, the awards are announced. But those are not that far away. Josh, whoo, this has been a long episode. <laughs> Do you have any uh, predictions about what's going to be announced on Monday before our podcast releases on Tuesday? Yeah, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is delayed. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Even the though the game out, is right? physically out in the wild now. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, right? Oh, man, <laughs> Still going to get delayed. <laughs> anytime now. Anytime now. Uh, I'm going to stick with my t- traditional one. I don't. I think it's going to probably be a slower news leak with the, with the holiday, uh, but maybe this is when playstation announces they bought blue point that's what i'm gonna go with <laughs> is that one Check. so that's Check. my prediction uh with that we'll move on to well-rounded life recommendations obviously we're a gaming podcast but we want to let you know something else we're into that's helping us live that well-rounded life josh what is your recommendations this week well i lied about my recommendation i have three recommendations <laughs> three? oh goodness gracious all right so i'm gonna go quick no i'm gonna go i'm gonna try to talk over my cat eating now because apparently she just wants to do all the loud things in this room. That's fine. Uh, so, Animaniacs, it's back. It's on Hulu. Watch it. It is. It didn't miss a beat. 
And I was able to watch it with my son, who just kind of thought it was funny, even though that's great. My wife was like, "This is for adults." I'm like, "No, it's for children with adult humor." Uh, my second recommendation is Marvel Six One Six on Disney Plus. This is a docu series where each episode documents a different topic. Uh, I am loving all of it, but there's definitely probably hit and miss things for people who aren't diehard comic book fans. Um, but you can kind of pick and choose. I would episode, uh, like episode four, uh, which is directed by Paul Shear, who was a comedian. I actually tweeted back at me when I complimented his show. Uh, he covers like basically like if you were trying to do guardians of the galaxy, but even more obscure. So he like dives deep into like the hall, like the pits of Marvel of what should get a second chance. And it's actually a pretty funny episode. The first episode's about Japanese Spider-Man, which is like super fascinating. The TV show, not the comic. Um, there's a bunch of stuff. The one I'm watching now is about high school students putting on plays because Marvel put out, I think all the Marvel Spotlight series where they teach kids how to do high school plays based on their IPs. Uh, very cool. That one's directed by Allison Bree, who you'd know from Glow and Community. Uh, so, so far, that's really good. And then finally, something that I've loved forever and rewatched, and it still holds up. Um, I know this is another CBS All Access pick, but if you decide to do a trial just to watch Console Wars, you should also watch The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail. It used to be on Community, uh, Community Central, Comedy Central. It's basically a 30-minute TV show uh, where they started f- filming comedy shows that happened at the back of Meltdown Comics in L.A., which is no longer a thing. Um, but this was before uh, and during Silicon Valley, so before um, Kumail Nanjiani became a big star, while uh, Jonah Ray was doing the Nerdist podcast and and comedy Death Ray Radio, I believe. Uh, um and it's basically like a place where all these big comedians that you may or may not have heard of come to test out material in front of a live crowd. And it's just very well recorded and and it's super funny and it's bite-sized, you know, like you could sit down and watch 30, 40 minutes and then you're done. And they're swearing because it was a late night show, so it's not edited either. So uh, that's probably a super high recommendation if you're a comedy fan from me. Um, I love that show so much, and it's still just as funny, even however many years later it's been. All three recommendations, in and out. Those, <laughs> that, those are some great recommendations. Nicely done. Uh, my recommendation is going to be Chapstick. <laughs> it's getting to that time of year. It's getting to that time when you know it's getting drier outside. It is getting cold and you really need to, you know, take care of your lips. I personally am a fan of Burt's Bees. <laughs> I know that some people think that Burt's Bees fans can be kind of uh, um, really committed to their use of Burt's Bees. Uh, I sometimes am that type of person. I really do love Burt's Bees. Uh, it's very expensive for a chapstick, but I really do like it. But just get yourself some good chapstick. Carry it around with you when those lips are getting a little dry, a little cracked. Um, you know, have that in your pocket to reach out, put on, it instantly helps make your day better, it instantly helps improve your mood. Make sure you're taking care of those lips. Make sure you have some chapstick with you. It's important. 
Josh has no response. I, awesome. I hey. despise chapstick. <laughs> well, hey, I think you're missing out, Josh. I think your life would be better if you use some chapstick. Um, Josh, quick question yeah. for you before we wrap the show up, because I think it will impact our listeners pretty significantly. What day is Cyberpunk coming out now? Oh, December 10th, I believe. Let is me it? Google it real quick. If you could, that would and be amazing. And it's not, um, not next gen on release date. December right. 10th. Correct. Okay, well. So, dear listeners, we have to wait then, because I was going to say, you know, soon we'll probably wrap up Metafall, <laughs> uh, but we can't because the last day for the Metafall contest is December 11th. <laughs> so, as long as the game comes out by December 11th, it still will be included in the contest. Uh, so, we now need to wait to see if Cyberpunk actually hits that date or not. <laughs> um so if it does, if as long as it's out by December 11th, Cyberpunk will still be part of the contest, so we can't do our final show until then. But at this point, Josh, there are two games that have been kicked out of Metafall because these games have been released out of the contest window. Do you remember what those two games would be? No. <laughs> nope. The Medium. Okay, sure. And Outriders. Oh, did we put Outriders on there? Okay. Outriders was on there, That yep. first came to mind, so, but I didn't think we put uh, it on there. Yeah, the other game that didn't have a release date when we put it on there was Marvel Man Spider Marvel's Spider Man Miles Morales, which obviously came out. Uh, and then Cyberpunk was on the list with an its original date of November nineteenth, but since it's currently slated for December tenth, again end date for the contest December eleventh. So we are going to have to wait to do our final episode for that. Uh, and I'm not going to lie to you, listeners, that episode might come in the new year. They can wait because Josh. Yeah, so because Josh and I are discussing, just so you know, uh, we're going to try to take some time off at the end of the year. Don't worry, you're still going to get new lesson, uh, new episodes every week throughout the entire year. Uh, but we might pre-record some episodes uh, that we'll release later in December that are going to cover our favorite games of the year, kind of all that good stuff. So I will give you a definitive update on that once we figure out our final schedule for the year. Um, so like I said, don't worry, you will still get lessons, lessons episodes every week. <laughs> But we just might have to wait for the Metafall recap show until January, depending on how our schedule shakes out, because we're hoping to get some guests in and stuff to talk about our favorite stuff of the year. So just be aware. Wanted to keep you in the loop. It's going to happen. Don't worry. Just might not be till January. So with that, Josh, it's been like a couple hours. What do you say we wrap the show up? It's business as usual here. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board of the Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board of the Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithfiji, so feel free to use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, our very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, instead of plugs, I'm just going to say, I hope you all have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. And remember, be safe because you don't want to be sick or get people sick for Christmas. That would be horrible. And that would be horrible. We hope to hear you back next week. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're here in the U.S. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Never stop gaming.